Hey guys, and welcome to the Nightly Commute. This is our fourth episode, and we want to do a big thanks for everybody who has listened up to date, or people just starting to listen now. Since we've just started, you already have met our great Fazy. He's going to be with us today. What's up, Fazy? How are you, Mike? I'm doing good, dude. And uh, yeah, obviously I'm here. Mlom91, unknown, Mike, whatever. And we also have a very special guest, Robert, or RAR. It's Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, Mike. What's up? Hey, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Uh, let's see. So I'm 21 from LA, and I like to play League. And when I don't like to play League, then I like to die in StarCraft. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's awesome. I I uh, did have the opportunity to introduce Robert to Fazy to help him with his new StarCraft Endivers, which is awesome because as you guys have, if, if you've watched our first episode or rather listened to our first episode, then you know we're very passionate about that game. And if you guys haven't, please give it an opportunity. You might find out it's not for you, but it's free now. StarCraft 2 is such a phenomenal game and it's, it's extremely rewarding and no excuse, no excuse. Yeah, both uh, both Brood War and StarCraft Two are free to play. Also, the multiplayer in StarCraft Two is free to play. So, I would recommend anyone watching download it, try it out. You might find that it's not the right game for you, but um, you know, for me, it's been an incredibly rewarding experience, and uh, you know, one of my favorite games of all time, personally. And speak. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say StarCraft was a pay-to-play game. I had no idea. I thought it was free this whole time. Yeah. yeah StarCraft, yes. StarCraft. Holy two, shit. Um, went free to play mm, less than a year ago, which is when I started playing StarCraft two because I grew up. Um, I played Brood War years ago, and played Brood War for a while. I didn't even know StarCraft two came out until it went free to play. And once it did, I got an ad like StarCraft 2 is now free to play. I was like, oh, wow, I haven't played a StarCraft game in, you know, five years. I, I should download it. And here I am. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be um, you had to pay and it held its value for a very long time. It was priced, I want to say, uh, $29.99. And yep, that, that was right. for like Wings of Liberty and Heart of the Swarm. Um, and then Legacy of the Void was its own installment, uh, which I believe was like $19.99 or maybe even $29.99 as well. But obviously, PC games at one point in time started um migrating out of stores so this is not something you saw on the shelf and most pc games you would need to have known somebody who either played it because unlike traditional game browsing back in the day when you're at eb games or uh now gamestop you could just walk around and check the shelves and and you'd be able to discover a game like that but and and that actually well, contrary to pop popular belief, um, I, I I feel like that was how I found most of the games that I played was just hours and hours just in the yeah. 
in the game store. I mean, now you wouldn't do yeah, that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, because we didn't, especially because we were younger and they, there weren't really the same avenues as you have now for finding ga- both game news and companies, you know, don't have the platforms they do now to reach out to you uh, to advertise. Um, a lot of the games that I found were just through browsing at GameStop. Right or you know going to whatever your local game store was and or whatever your friends were playing as well they would be like this game's so much fun you should play with me and I think for a lot of people that's how they got introduced to either games that they still play or how they got introduced to gaming at all. You remember when there used to be I don't know if you guys had it but we had it over here I don't know if it was like an East Coast thing or anything like that but uh, we had a blockbuster. And Blockbuster as well. That was my shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Blockbuster was amazing, dude. And Blockbuster offered something. There's Redbox, and they you can get games from Redbox, but you know, I I find it difficult for me to get things from Redbox for a variety of reasons. But you'd be able to go to Blockbuster, and you can't do that with PC games, but you can do that with console games and be able to go to Blockbuster. And you can rent them, right? You could rent them for like I think it was a week. You could play this game, you could demo it for for a week and that's how people that's how i personally found out whether i like the game or not you know if i'm gonna buy it then let me interestingly enough and we're gonna get into the conversation later a little bit more about the game um we're gonna talk about kingdom hearts but i played and beat both kingdom hearts one and two i would binge these games when i rent them from from uh blockbuster and a lot of the games when you rent them you can beat yes so depending on depending on how much you play yeah definitely i definitely did that you'd rent a game and then you'd beat it and you'd be like well there's no reason for me to buy it now so you just give it back to him yeah yeah i think i think that used to be like popular consensus among gamers until really the multiplayer scene kind of started hitting consoles uh once that kind of hit i think everything kind of changed into wanting to own your game so you could kind of play with your friends and do that whole shebang yeah, that's a very interesting point because if it's a single player game like maybe Max Payne or uh like Kingdom Hearts or I don't know, Metal Gear Solid during those times, when you rent those games, it's a game that there's an end to it. But if it's a game like Call of Duty or a game like SOCOM, those kind of games, you're going to want to own that and that's where the value of being able to rent it really cam in in full circle but i believe blockbuster um started phasing out uh for a variety of reasons i believe people weren't returning games or returning uh, the yeah, product damaged yeah. um or or things along the lines of or people might have been taking advantage of it and then Redbox came out so then we saw blockbuster become completely phased out but i loved the ability to just walk around for hours in these stores just like oh man like there's so many fucking good choices and you discover so much through it and through that, uh, people would have more of an opportunity to discover games like StarCraft. But StarCraft is a it's a it's a it's a very cool game. Definitely check it out. Kind of got a little bit off on a tangent over there. Uh, we're we're gonna go through a variety of topics today. We're gonna try to limit our time to about an hour. Because we want to make sure that we got we're devel- uh, giving you guys some good quality content and not extending our stay 
for you guys' ears. So, uh, as always, we're going to start off with some misconnections here. Uh, what state are we in right now? Oh, uh, we're, we are in Louisiana. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Bangers. Mm-hmm. And for for Rob um, or anybody else who's listening for the first time, the last couple of segments, what we've done for just an icebreaker, we have gone into Craigslist, which is like a – what exactly would you call Craigslist? Uh, community so posting? Is a, yeah, it's a place where you can post pretty much anything for anything. Either you're looking for something, you're looking to sell something, you're looking to connect with someone – or, or you want people to seek you, um, you know, you can post things like, Hey, I'm, you know, you, I want to sell my car. It's a very common place for people to sell cars. Uh, you can also, um, it has like accounting and finance. You could be like, Hey, I need my taxes done or any EPAs <laughs> on here. Um, you know, it, basically anything, but one of our favorite segments is the misconnection portion, which if you, if you, um, go past someone on the street and you are just, uh, swept off your feet by how good looking they are. You had, you know, an amazing conversation with someone you can post on misconnections and, you know, try to get them to connect back with you and hopefully something comes of it. Now I'm fearful that most of these miss the mark because most of the people that they're trying to reach out to don't frequent misconnections. Have you ever heard of misconnections before Robert? Actually, I've never heard of it. I know... Okay, so I've always considered Craigslist to be, like, a social alleyway, so to speak. Like, you know it's there, but I tend to kind of avoid it just because you can kind of catch some shoddy people on there at times. Um, Definitely. Well, I've actually never heard of that before. That's kind of mind-blowing. So yep. I had not heard of it. I had not heard of it either before our first podcast. I didn't know it existed. Really, the only way that I had ever used uh, Craigslist was for to sell things. Looking at cars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've used I Craigslist bought... to sell things a lot. Oh, really? Because mm-hmm. I bought my first car on Craigslist. Oh, nice. I just did it for computer parts. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's oh, easy yeah, to buy and sell things on. Yeah. Exactly. Except the only the only fear is you know. Things could go wrong. Right. You know, you could get scammed, you could get robbed, whatever it is. So, right. you know, use your own discretion. But um, there are definitely people who have had good experiences, myself included. Uh, I had a very, you know, simple transaction with someone buying a car, and it was really simple. Now, I feel like with a lot of purchases from or selling to on Craigslist, if anybody, since we're bringing up that it is an avenue to sell things on or maybe find services from like contractors to electricians etc it's important to make sure that you guys are navigating through the internet safely and that if you do intend to buy something from somewhere us from someone on here that you guys do in a public place very well lit and that you guys proceed with caution to my understanding in my area there are safe zones where it is um it's designated a safe zone by our municipality so if someone wants to buy something from one of these avenues whether it's facebook marketplace craigslist um or wherever 
you are able to go to these and they're actually monitored. So make sure you guys do uh, some research into that. But uh, yeah, so interestingly enough, as Faisy says, misconnections are if you see somebody and you're just infatuated with them from first sight, or maybe if you're just a little bit interested, you could go on here and Please post it. You could post on it. Please post it so we can read. <laughs> now it's just an interesting thing because for a lot of people, this isn't the first thing to go to, but people do go here and um, I'm sure people meet off of it. Wait, this guy's uh, selling a total gym um, on misconnections. On misconnections. XL five for sale. Below Sounds is a list of what is included. Uh, $600 for a total gym. I don't know how much you bought. Oh, with all accessories and DVDs, we'll jump on this. Um, wrong, wrong spot. <laughs> a workout chart. Yeah. yeah I like how there's no pictures involved. I feel like you would want to post pictures of all the things that you're, mm-hmm, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. trying to sell. That you're trying to sell, yeah. yeah okay, okay. Let's see here. Um... All right. LSU sorority girl wanted for discussion with uh, mature female executive. Okay. Um, interesting. <laughs> that Whoa, is so that vague. sounds kind of intense uh, <laughs> there. <laughs> That's so vague. LSU guy leaving the gym. The thing I really enjoy about younger guys is they can stay in amazing shape. I do enjoy that so much. If that was you, please send me a pic and let's talk. I'm off all what? weekend. Wow. Three That's days really ago. subtle. I just love how subtle these people are. Uh-huh. Um, wait, wait, look at white male looking for a straight DL male to hang out with. Um. Oh, here we go. White male looking for a straight friend to hang out with. You be you straight be and cool. Straight and cool. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? So, okay, I, I feel like if you're advertising for a friend on the internet, I think you need to take a closer look and be a bit more introspective because there might be a reason why people don't want to hang out with. Yeah. So this is interesting, and I don't know the allure behind it, right? Because I'm, I'm. We spoke about this before, but DL, I'm pretty sure means down low. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a gay guy asking. So here, I, I don't understand this. Is this like a hunt? Like, why does he so want a straight this, man? So is this is this lingo? Like, why ask for a straight man? Why not just be upfront and say, "Hey, I'm looking for another man to hook up with." I feel like that's a much more effective strategy. Some some people are just very uh, the way to put it is like insecure. They're afraid of the label gay, so instead they say straight when they really mean is like just a masculine guy who's like very doodly. I mean, of course, we've all met that gay guy who's like wearing tight pink shirts and things like that, and typically those people tend to look for the opposite. I see. Whatever. No, I've definitely I've definitely seen that. I have a few friends that are. Um, gay themselves and it it's interesting to me that they don't typically you know find who i would presume to be like the mirror of them it's a lot of times someone who's quite different from themselves right. but is also yeah interesting but that's so funny he's like uh looking for a straight white, by friend, the way. Just, white just male in there. 
<laughs> you specifically white. He completely changed the he changes the way he types too. W M and then he types very casually, looking for a straight friend to hang out with. Period. And then he just goes full caps and like so. so sorry to interrupt, but I think I also think that clean is quite a quite a tell here as well. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You be straight right. and cool, clean and healthy. Yeah, because I'm concerned about your health. Well, no, because I the, the clean and healthy thing I'm sure is referring to HIV or some sort of STD. Definitely. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 much more of a prevalent issue in the gay community, especially you know both partners being men than mm-hmm. it is in heterosexual relationships. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure that's what that's referring to. But that means this man is not trying to, he's not trying to meet somebody. He's trying to fuck somebody exactly. is what's going down. 100%. <laughs> Which by the way, there, now there's like medication that you can actually take that like prevents the spread of HIV. It's like 99% effective. Oh wow. So that's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like mind blowing that there's still people out there that worried about well, that. There was that that's there incredible was that chinese there was that chinese doctor that um claimed that he was able to have to, cured it um no he was able to what he claims is that he was able to have two twins that were birthed from a mother that was hiv positive and the children did not have hiv um the tool, wow. the tool, so the tool that he used is called crispr um you know it's a tool that's used commonly in a lot of like you know uh, biomedicine uh, and Actually, Free. I shouldn't say biomedicine, but break um, apart the DNA. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, ooh, um, that's right. That's where you get into people about like designer babies and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I've a, I've a friend that works with CRISPR every single day, and they're like, yeah, theoretically, like it's possible, but no one's been able to uh, replicate his findings, and he's missing. So we don't know what the fuck's going on. Mm, that is that's interesting. <laughs> and then it's uh, after right after he went missing, I was talking to someone who. Um, is from Europe, and they were like, "Oh, he's definitely like making an army for the government." Oh like, shit! If something ha- Holy shit! Like, if something ha- like if something like that happened in my country, that is the first thing that would happen. The government would like kidnap you and make you work for them. I'm like, okay, wow, that's very scary. <laughs> that is very scary. So, exactly what's going on there? Is he bioengineering people? Yeah. So what he. So in the United States, like it's uh, as far as I know, it's not legal to genetically test on humans. Um, while I'm sure the laws are different in China because he was able to do it, um, he was basically trying to change the DNA of the babies to make it so that they were not HIV positive while the mother was. Interesting. I believe I heard something at one point in time where a couple could if they wanted uh dictate some of the traits and characteristics that their child could have before born yeah yeah when i was so um a a big debate um right now is part of like what do you do if you know that in utero your child has a genetic disorder um like what are the ethics of fixing that disorder because the technology is available for some of them, but the ethics and the conversations and how they're the rhetoric around them is uh, not everyone's on the same page. So people are like, well, what do you do? Do you fix it? Do you not fix it? Do you, you know, abort the child or do you 
have the child. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge ethical dilemma and it's something that, you know, will still be talked about in the public space for quite a while. And I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes, especially in the United States. I feel like if they have the ability to get rid of a certain maybe disability or something along the lines of, then, then my, I would assume that a, a, a couple would want to, right? Like, are we talking about things like, um, like Down syndrome or, or anything along the lines of? So I'm not, I'm not particularly well read on the specifics of which, you know, genetic um, disorders or issues could be rectified with such technology, but... But there are some. I mean, yes. Interesting. And, I mean, there are some that, there are some that you can... Uh, that a doc, you know, a, a physician can find pretty, you know, readily through some pretty regular tests, and you know, it's it's not necessarily about like it's more of a should you do it than can you do it. That's yeah, it's definitely it. in our power. Yeah, it's more of a how do you feel about it, and what are, what are the ethical? Be like, fuck yeah, dilemma? dude, help my and help it. my kids, son. Okay, sure. so why wouldn't you? A lot of people also, um, they're like, well, what are the, are there any unintended side effects with any of it? Well, you know, will my child be any different from everyone else's child if they have this genetic therapy, which will, they will then be quote unquote normal. But how do we know that, right? Also, the thing is, if we do decide to say, change the DNA, what are our limits for changing the DNA of a child? Can you choose their eye color? Can you choose their hair color? Is that something that's allowed? As it is, we already have like selected sex, which is a pretty common thing that's still being used today. Um, but it does beg the question, what are our limits if we do decide to, you know, save these kids? Right? Yeah, because like where do you stop? Exactly. Yeah. And then everyone's worried about having like super babies. So what if everyone's mm -hmm. kid gets genetically modified and everyone else is, you know, six feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes kind of thing. Really? Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Like what if, what if everyone wants their kid to be blonde hair, blue eyed, but you know, let's just say it's a, you know, a couple, both one's Asian, one's black, right? Their kid's not going to have blonde hair and blue eyes, but suddenly they do but it's both of their child right yeah would it'd, it'd would would you i mean different. that that would definitely be a it would definitely be different but is that a would you guys consider that a bad thing i mean are are is that like playing god a little bit or or would i i feel like that wouldn't be necessarily be playing god or maybe it is i don't know like what are we it's like it's like turned into a fucking uh online game where people are like choosing the attributes <laughs> of like their character literally <laughs> character it's select like second life it's like second life uh huh uh huh like you go into the hospital you and your uh your significant <laughs> other and then they they pull up a screen with a, a naked person like all right what hair color would I you think like he and peel did a skit about this not too long ago but how badass would that be i think that's pretty goddamn cool like looking like a pirate or some shit they like picked all the worst things because they didn't want to make the like physician feel bad or it was it's a pretty funny skit I, I recommend looking at it after this but um yeah no it's it's a it, it is a very interesting conversation because like you said some people say isn't that playing god like what who are we to intervene with nature or you know whatever your perspective is with god 
Right, so, right, right. Which then uh, is like, why I, it's such an ethical. Uh, yes, debate. exactly. Which is why there's such yeah. a you know. And then the question is also who gets access to do those things. A lot of you know, if you do want to have a design a baby, how much will it cost? A baby, how much will it cost? And will it be available it? to the general public, hmm. or will it just be the elite who gets to not only pick their traits, but say for example, can choose to have their kids live longer lives or be more hmm. resistant to certain diseases and things like that and that's what that's yes. that's the real that's where the real ethics i could see being problematic uh outside in um only because let's say hypothetically uh i'm a middle class person i have a kid and turns out uh my my kid's going to have some sort of um uh whatever it might be and uh, i can't afford to to do this treatment and but you know the higher class now they have the the, the rich are going to get richer in in this in this regard because if you could genetically engineer a child could with that could you also genetically engineer or influence maybe their IQ do you think or or anything maybe like the physical attributes right so if I'm a football player and like I'm a successful football player and I have a child and if I can genetically engineer them then could I not just uh put it in my favor that this kid have like a high metabolism you know an athletic things like things like that i guess that's where theoretically you can do just about anything um but the odds are if you're a professional football player your child is going to be he's going to have a better chance at you know being a better athlete for sure for Um, sure having all of the different genetic you know the genetic makeup of a better athlete but yeah. just because either let's say both you and your wife are olympic athletes it doesn't necessarily mean that your child is going to be athletic right but if we right. have the money and the technology is available then we could exploit said technology and have it in our favor that our child has a better genetic makeup right sure but also you you it doesn't stop there right it, it, just because you were, let's just take the football player for example. Just because you were a football player, you're into football, and you want your kid to be a good athlete, it doesn't mean that your kid is going to be either interested or you know want to put in the work necessarily. True. Because if you look at um, what Todd Rinovich, I, I think is his name, his dad um, forced both of him and his brother, if I remember correctly to basically train like 24 seven and he wanted them to be the best quarterback and best linebacker ever. Todd Marinovich made it to the NFL, but eventually, you know, burnt out and got into drugs because he, you know, didn't really know anything other than football up until getting into the real world and didn't really know what to do with themselves. So right. it's the things that are possible genetically aren't always, they don't always come to fruition in such a black and white manner. Like you might think because uh, I know people that are, you know, incredible athletes and, you know, they have great talent, but they never really realize it because it's, it's not something that they were ever interested in. So giving someone the genetic components to be successful doesn't always ensure success. Right, right, right. You know, get them on the right track. And if, you know, it's a big if, if they're interested in that field, whatever you try to make them successful for they'll have an easier time finding success. It doesn't mean that they will definitely be successful. Um, which if you're a parent who, you know, spends a lot of money and time getting this genetic therapy and then for a specific, um, 
let, let's just use football again as an example. And your kid doesn't want to play sports. He wants to do music. You know, you'll feel like not only have you wasted all this money, but you put this time and effort into making this kid an athlete and they don't want to do it. Have you seen the Netflix? I don't know if it's on Netflix. So have you seen the television series where it follows parents that try to make their kids professional athletes? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it. I've never seen that. It's it's like sickening. It's sickening. I was an athlete. It is for mine. I was a I was an athlete my entire life, and never once did my parents like force me um, to. They they made me go to practice because they were paying for it, but right. they never like forced me to continue. If I ever said I really don't want to do this, I I really want to stop, they would have let me. Right, and that's how it should be. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it was with everything with with music with school. They were they were like, um, we're here to support you. And if you if you're ever like, I really don't want to do this. I know that I don't want to do this. We'll support you with that as well and figure out you know where to take it from here. But I, unfortunately, not everyone is, you know, as fortunate. I think that to a certain extent, and let me know if you agree with me. I think that to a certain extent, as a child, when you're placed under those expectations, because I see it all the time, especially in my area, I'll hear about it or see Facebook posts of it, uh, especially from like former athletes who might have not quite making it. Uh, who want to who want to almost like live vicariously through their child that before the child even has a say that they will dictate oh i'm gonna make my kid a, a football player i'm gonna sign him up for this or i'm gonna sign up for my kid for cheerleading or anything along the lines of and as a child um to my to my belief I think there is a certain amount of pressure where you want to see your parents happy, even though you don't have the cognition at that point in time. I feel like you you don't want to let your parent down, so you almost entertain it uh, for for the most part. And I think sometimes not all children that are given the option like uh like you are phasey might might be in a, a different pr- uh, predicament where they're like they're, they're afraid to speak up and on top of that the parent just uses that um age old age old excuse where i know what's best for my child and and a lot of times it just it it just unfortunately goes uh past the uh, it, it's no longer in the hands of the child at that point, at that point. But I feel like I, I remember being a kid. I wanted to make my, you know, dad happy with some things. Yeah, definitely. I would say, uh, like a majority of the time, I think nobody likes to disappoint their parents. Right. Um, and when you have these young kids and they get introduced to it at such a young age that it kind of becomes a part of their routine in their life. And at some point, it becomes kind of like a habit. Um, and unfortunately, what parents don't realize is it's not healthy. I think a lot of these parents have, you know, dreams of their own that they wanted to fulfill. But because they couldn't achieve it, they end up pushing it down to their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of becomes this vicious cycle of, you know, am I doing this 
for my kid? Does my kid enjoy this or am I doing this for myself and being selfish? Right, right, um, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been an athlete for a while. For I was a swimmer for about seven to eight years. And I would meet kids that were just miserable. They hated what they did, but they were good at it. Right. And I just thought it was kind of uh, ironic that a lot of the kids that were excelling the most were also the ones that were not enjoying themselves the most. Do you think this could subconsciously impose things like depression or anxiety? Well, I think that everyone right now kind of has depression and anxiety, but I I think that's for probably a different reason. But I definitely think that um, parents could push it onto their kids, especially if they don't let their kids do anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like hanging out with friends and doing things that kids should do. Mm -hmm. Um, That that could pose a lot of mental health issues later on. What do you think, Faisy? Well, I definitely agree with some things that you guys have been saying. Um, are you asking me specifically with mental health issues or what would ex- where, okay. Mental, mental health issues and whether you feel like the child, um, like maybe, maybe let's say hypothetically their parent did give that like, Oh, you know, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to, but that, that, pressure where even if let's say hypothetically i don't want to do it but i don't want to make you know them them they've they spent money and and all this on that i feel like some children do have the cog cognitive capacity to understand like the value of the dollar and investment in time and that uh they instead of speaking up on these matters they end up instead just following through with it and they they actually never do speak up that that sure. they might not like it so in a way that is similar in a way it's similar to an, the experience that i had there was a time when i was i would say like sixth through my freshman year of high school i was like i don't really want to do this sport anymore and my parent i could i could i knew that my parents had you know spent a lot of money um, ensuring that I, you know, could continue the sport. And they also worked incredibly hard, um, not only to, you know, make sure that I, you know, could live, you know, the best life that I, that they could provide me, but also continue to play sports and instruments and X, Y, Z. Right. So I wasn't, I had to really like think about it a lot because part of it is, you know, the sooner, the sooner that I stop, the less money it will cost. But also in a way it's sort of a a sunk cost fallacy where, you know, you've put so much money, you've put so much time into it. Why stop now? Right, 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 right. And also I think both the parents and sometimes the kids can get that sort of mentality where you've spent so much time and money. What's the point of stopping now when, you know, you could just see it through and, um, you know, eventually I, I got, you know, my love of the sport back and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a waste, obviously. Right. Now, but, here's an interesting thing to tack on to that. Um, do you think now, now follow me for a second. We're at a time where options and drive 
is all over the place and there is a level of encouragement where people should be allowed to what to be who they want to be or to pursue whatever it is they want to pursue but do you think that even though times have changed do you think that to a certain extent parents do know best so you you for at a uh, for example at a time where you had lost your love for the sport um and and somebody like me i i have a tendency to change my drive so often that it might not be beneficial for me as an in- individual to have jumped on every every um every emotion towards a certain field like you know one second a person might want to be a singer oh you know i want to be i want to be an engineer no i want to be a nurse no i want to be a lawyer no i want to be this i want to be that i want to be this i want to be that and they just might instead have trouble deciding at what point do you feel that the uh, a, a parent's role should be law like do you think number one a person should i mean a parent should take away that control so when i first told my parents that i was like i don't know if i want to do this specific sport anymore they told me that like i needed to think very long and very hard about if i wanted to continue it or not and I remember there were days where I was like, I don't want to go to practice. And they're like, you're fucking going to practice. Like, you know, you live, you live in our house. This is what's going down. Right. Right. And looking back on it, they knew what was right for me. Right. And if I, if I really look back to it, it was more of a systemic problem with, you know, things that I was going through than that specific sport and me losing um, motivation for that specifically was more of a systemic motivation issue. Right. Um, but I was playing multiple sports and I really enjoyed um, playing the ones, you know, that I played at school, right? Because I was playing with people that were my age, they were right. my friends from school. But because um, I couldn't get to, you know, this other sport on time to be with people my age, I was, I was practicing with people who were four years older than me. So they're much bigger, they're much better, they're much, you know, more intelligent, and they've had more time to do it. So I had to grow up really quickly around them. And after spending a bunch of time with them, it really changed my perspective on you know the entire not just that sport but sports in general and motivation and everything because a lot of the people that i um were doing that sport with they went on to um you know play sports in college and were right um successful in that they went to very good schools a lot of them are um you know in higher education now and or very high paying jobs they are very motivated individuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think being around them as well as my parents, you know, making sure, you know, convincing me that I should still go really helped me get out of that funk. So I think definitely a lot of parents do know what's best for their kid. But sometimes, you know, you have to step back and say, am I being too intrusive? And, you know, am I being too hard? Am I being too this or that? But it doesn't mean that you have to coddle them and do exactly what your kid wants 24-7. Because if that was the case, I, you know, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be who I am today and I wouldn't, you know, have the successes that I've had if it wasn't for, um, you know, sometimes my parents putting their foot down and being like, this is, this is what the fuck is up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. So going back to that, the, the series of the, the TV show where parents are putting these children through these very, 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 very rigorous practices on a day-to-day basis sometimes twice a day and they are very young and some of these kids are phenomenal at 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 these sports but but then the question is are are they being let down though like yes i I think so and and, i think unless it's coming from the kid if it's coming just from the parent it's a mistake i think there are some parents that take it too far and try to act out of their own self-interest rather than what's best for their Sure, 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 sure. I I feel as if um I feel as if if it's from the child, the child wants it and the parent is backing it up great, but if the child does not want it, it's intrusive and even if that child goes to be successful in that career, makes buku bank, I think what develops over time is a psychological um, deficiency, in my opinion. What I mean by that, uh, what I mean by what I'm saying deficiency, as I feel like they're not being given um, the the kind of compassion, not 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 the cap- compassion that love gives, but uh, the compassion that love should allow, and they don't know anything other that they don't know anything else. And do you think those things could lead to lead to maybe uh, severe or manic de- cases of depression? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> For me, I would say uh, it's kind of like a 50, 50 because at the same time, if you say you do have a child who likes to bounce off the walls and be like, I want to do this and this and that, and they don't really have focus or like a goal set in mind, that could actually be actually be like counterproductive to them as well. Um, because like we said, parents are kind of like your third eye looking at the whole perspective entirely. And if you're good at something, um, I know for some people, this is like their opinion. If you're good at something, then why stop doing it? Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with like our whole winner take all mentality. So say, for example, you want to do tennis, but you're a really good basketball player. Um, and you may suck at tennis completely. Uh, no one, I think, in this world wants to be a loser. So why put your child through that whole process of just being so trying to learn tennis not the biggest guppy yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, it's a very it's a very interesting point you make because the reason that i chose chose the sport that i i did in college originally was because it was the only one that seemed to challenge me and it was the most difficult sport and i played um, a bunch of sports growing up i tried to play as many as i could my parents tried to get me in as many sports as possible and a lot of sports that i played it, it my, you know, I felt that I wasn't challenged in them, and that's why I chose the sport that I did. And I was definitely the worst 
in terms of like most metric, like, you know, the most metrics that you would use for them. I was the worst at the sport that I ultimately chose. I was still successful at it, but, um, and my, it was very much against what my dad wanted me to play every, you know, he wanted me to play the sports and I was like, I have no interest in playing that. Yeah. So speaking from like my personal experiences, not even though my dad was very supportive of everything that I chose to do and did his best to support me, I could tell that he wasn't entirely happy with my decision. And that kind of, um, it definitely had an effect about how I, I guess I could say my self-esteem in terms of my decisions. So I can totally see why you would say that it would create some sort of um, cognitive or, you know, depressive tendencies right now um okay i got a question for you to succeed in one sport or career path that you're good at and and to be successful in it in terms of like financial measurements and uh connections and not to take a leap of faith into things that you're truly interested in, but you're, but you're able to provide, you know, you're, you're financially sound, you have a house, all this and all that. I think the most common thing that you're saying is like people who mostly play football and basketball and baseball, right? Well, they're good at them. They can get it into them professionally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or my, my rebuttal to that statement is something like a very small percentage of the people that not only play baseball, play basketball, play football, but the ones that even make it to college do are not. Well, um, well, hold on. Hear me out. Professional. Hear me out. My, so it doesn't necessarily need to be those. Like it could be dance. It could be acting. It could be whatever. But, but let's say for example, you end up getting put through that as a child for whatever reason. And you're, you're put through this rigorous training, but you are successful at it. You don't like it, but you're successful at it. And successful for me, the definition would be middle-class and up where you can live comfortably, provide for your family, et cetera, et cetera. Or, would you rather take a leap of faith into everything that you've wanted to try and get fuller experiences and fail? Which one do you think is a better quality of life there? So, Oof. oh, I'll, I'll, Robert, I'll let you go first if you want. Uh, I, I was going to say, me personally, I would go with a professional route, even though I'd be miserable. Um, you know, money talks at the end of the day. But I, something that's funny that I actually find funny about that is uh, a lot of the stories about when you hear these people go professional, they don't mention it, but they actually had to spend tons of money to get to that point. Um, Very true. And I know because I was swimming at a certain level and people at this level were basically being offered, you know, full rides to colleges, getting on the national team, things like that. And part of the deal was you had to pay like thousands of dollars for coaching. (laughs) And I wasn't swimming with like middle-class people. They were just lower class kids that just happened to find something that they were good at. And since uh, a majority of the people couldn't afford it, um, they actually couldn't follow their dreams and go pro and do things like that. So I just I just find that interesting. Right, 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 right. What about you, Faisy? So I think if you 
if you want to use sports as an avenue to get you out of poverty, if that's your situation, I feel like they can be a very great outlet for that. And you have a ton of role models to choose from, you know, whatever sport it may be, you have a plethora of people to look up to. But it it is a very real reality that it does cost money to be in athletics. Right. Right. You know, like Robert was saying, it may cost thousands of dollars of coaching that you may not have. And this, you know, it might be that you spend those thousand dollars on coaching or, you know, let's say $10,000 on coaching and, you know, it never comes to fruition. Right. Right. Just because you're talented at something or just because you're good doesn't mean that you're going to find professional success with it, unfortunately. So it, like anything, it is a bit of a gamble. You know, it is, it, you have to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And that's how it was for me. If I wasn't diligent about a lot of things and making sure that I was doing the right things, I would never have uh, been a collegiate athlete. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's a very tough thing to unpack because there's so many different variables and it's so different for everyone. Um, but, I don't see an issue with someone trying to, you know, let's say get their family out of poverty if that is your goal. I think it's very commendable commendable to do it through athletics. Okay, so but the the uh what I'm asking though is do you find and confide in success that is deviant from your dreams or like if you had to choose this or that, or do you satisfy your curiosity and try everything you want to try, but fail? I think you should try everything you want to try. If you have the means to. Right. But it does feel really good to succeed, right? It does. It does. Even so, if it's something you don't want to necessarily do. So say, for example, think, banking. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I think personally, you have to weigh the pros and cons of doing something you don't necessarily enjoy versus being commercially successful or professionally successful, however you want to say it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I know people who do things they don't enjoy mm-hmm. because they make a lot of money. Mm. Do you enjoy having money or do you enjoy, you know, having a job that you actually do enjoy? Which one brings you more happiness? Exactly, exactly. That's more of a, an internal conflict that you have to you have to deal with. And I think that differs person to person. I I don't personally judge anyone for either doing what they love or doing what they can make a lot of money doing. If that answers your question. No, 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 that does. That does. Now, I I feel like now now in today's day and age, I feel like it's very easy to impose a feel-good alphorism in in these kinds of things. You know, just you know, do what yeah, you, you mean want. Like participation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do what yeah, you want. Okay. Like follow your dreams. And I think it's very important um, that we take from our previous generations here because. Uh, and and that's why we're, we're such in a weird we're such in a weird place, right? Because our previous generations, our parents, their grandparents, their grand, uh, their parents, and a lot of them understand the value of 
being able to hold a job and being able to provide. And a lot of them understand that they're not special. But now mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in a time and age where everyone thinks, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people do think that they're special. Not saying that they're not. Not saying that they don't have some kind of attribute, skill, trade, or talent that could separate them from the rest. But sometimes they there's there there's too much of a romantic idea to just drop everything uh drop everything you build to to pursue one interest well i think we've had a lot of very successful people especially in the united states that have done that for sure you have to remember but there's a lot of people who failed the, the model is steve steve jobs right and Bill Gates, right? They followed their dreams. Jeff Bezos, even, you know, they followed their dreams. They focused on this one business, this one idea, and it made them all billionaires. But you have to understand that these are exceptionally intelligent people who have worked tirelessly to build their fortunes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it's not like they're your everyday Joe who just exactly you, right. So. Like, I would never compare myself to any of those people because I'm nowhere near as smart as they are. Mm-hmm. And I know that I don't have the capacity to work as long as they do and right. as hard as they do with as much passion. Right. But also in the same regard, they would not have gotten where they did if they were not passionate about what they were doing. So Steve Harvey um, once said in terms of preparation for success that if you go into a major or a college or a passion the way he approaches it or would give advice is he would say that there is only plan a and that there is no plan b and if you focus on it as if there's no plan b like kind of like do or die that that's kind of sorry i'm oh no you're fine you're fine if you want to um, that's kind of like the uh, old saying, um, fa- uh, preparing to fail is failing to prepare. Right. So, yeah, if you, if you look at, let's just say college as an example, if you go into a major thinking, it's okay if I don't do well, cause I can always fall back on this other major. Right. I don't think you're going to do as well as if, if you, you couldn't, this is this is what I need to do. I right. need to do well because when you're paying that amount of money, it's imperative that you're successful. Now, so what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you put all your eggs in one basket, or do you are you more of a um, quote unquote realist that uh, these things can go lopsided? And so the first major that I. When I got to school my freshman year, I said, I'm going to study this. I took a few classes in it and realized I hated it. Right. And so I switched my major into something that I was more interested in. And I was much more successful at it, not only because I was interested and it made studying easier, but I actually understood a lot more about it because, um, because it was easier for me to spend five hours studying than it was for, you know, the first major that I decided. Edit on, but you know, if I 
I can't say that I would have made more money if I went with the first major, but I think at the time where like the job market was, it would have been easier to find a job initially. Right, 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 right. Now there's that, there's that, there's that, um, another age old saying where, you know, you don't want to have any regrets, uh, you know, on your deathbed that, you know, you've, you've tried everything you've wanted to try, uh, this, that, and the third. Uh, but, but what quality of life is, is it when you are, when you're in something that you aren't passionate about, but successful in what do you what do you think like you're you're you fast forward you're 80 90 deathbed and you're just like you know you you are a successful banker you made a shit ton of money but you always wanted to be a singer what do you what are you thinking at that point uh i would say probably like regarding that circumstance is i think a lot has to do with you not being too old to do something i don't know if you believe in that statement but you're never too old to give something a shot um uh i definitely think that's something that should be considered i know because um say for example i know there's people that have had like a successful career for 20 30 years and they're like you know what i'm tired of this i don't want to do this anymore i want to do something else like go be a fisherman or go live out at sea or do something weird like that Mm -hmm. um but i think those people are actually really smart because they secure themselves first before they go follow their dreams um but that being said it kind of also relates i think to streamers like especially us being on the twitch community and us just taking a look at these popular streamers that we see they actually put a lot on the line in order to become successful uh, which means, you know, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and may- you might suffer for a little while, but you can also end up on top as well. Um, and those are two levels. I think those are two very different levels of success um, where one is, you know, you wasted 20 years doing something that you didn't like to do, whereas you were living in a garage for six months and now you're one of the biggest followed streamers on Twitch. I know, I think I heard Summit2G talking about how he quit his job at McDonald's, didn't have a way to pay for rent or anything like that. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to give this streaming thing uh, a try. And if it goes well for me, then that's going to be really good. Um, I also know Pokimane, she put her school on hold and she's been doing just fine. Probably one of the most well-known streamers on Twitch, so that's pretty... I think that's pretty awesome um, just to reach that level of success, and uh, 90% of these people say, you know, I love what I do, and that's not something that a lot of people can say. I think I think you... Um, I think you hit the... I think you hit it on the head, and I think that's very important to understand that... So one one person secures themselves for a success. They play it smart, but then they dabble in what it is that they want to be successful at, that they're more passionate about. And let's say hypothetically, now after the fact, they become successful. Versus you have somebody who takes a leap of faith, who are, who's a little bit more free-spirited, who's uh able to drop it all given certain circumstances that allow them to do that 
and and then they find success in that both of which you said are successful and i think it's important to understand they both reach their successes in their regard in respect to them and i think it's important to um to understand that though two very different ways maybe one successful before the other and maybe one has to take a little bit more time to blossom they still become successful and i think that a person has got to weigh which of the two that they are because i think this comes down to that i think it comes down to one or the other do you do it smart because let's say for example you might be a single father or a single mother or let's say you just have uh, a lot to attend to whether it be bills maybe you have to take care of a family member this that or the third and and you can't just drop it all to become a violinist right um definitely not so yeah, they, that's... <laughs> they they have to take a little bit more preparation, right? Like so they, they can't compare themselves, but it's important not to lose sight of those those kinds of things. While while someone else who who maybe maybe lives at home with their parents, maybe their parents are very uh well endowed financially and can support their their child uh in their dreams or or something along the lines of uh now they can drop their their job or they don't have to go to school they can put forth their their best foot forward in whatever it is that they might be interested in and um they 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 have that option to do that i think it i think it's it comes down to weighing either or um in in these regards and i think it's very important to to go after your dream um always because going back to whether you are successful in something that you're not very passionate about or are very passionate about, I think it's a better quality life if you go after what you are passionate about, unless you have some circumstances where you can no longer live for yourself, as Fazy uh, brought on earlier, because if you have kids, you have a family, then you can't be so selfish to just live your best life because now you have other people that are depending on you if you are a provider um but but i think i think it is important not to like lose sight of those things but going back to um man we got we got we got on a crazy tangent right we yeah that was kind of insane (laughs) well one last thing i was gonna say is just like I'm a firm, firm believer in like talent. If you got it, you got it. There's no way that someone can take that away from you. And it's just kind of something that you're born with. I feel, you know, you have like legendary singers that have been singing for over 20 plus years and they can still give out a good show. And I just think that there are some people that can put their dreams on hold and still make it successful at the end of the day. Right. And I just hope that other people keep that in mind. And Before I think, they just jump gun ho into something. And I think if you're if you're a parent or or something along the lines of and and it's something to take away from this, um, definitely definitely a, a a good series that people should watch and consider going back to uh, the series where parents are putting their children through uh, extremely rigorous uh, trainings to get them to be where they want to be. Um, it's important that 
you consider your loved one's successes and your friend's successes. And it, I think more importantly above that, which is how we managed to get off on a tangent, is to understand success um, and, and how to achieve it individually. I also think that if, if you miss your shot, and and if you you aren't able to secure whatever it is you'd like to secure, that there shouldn't be a uh, there shouldn't be a, a superimposition on on someone else. And I I think that's where a lot of that comes from. I think it comes from I I fucked up, right? So I don't want you to fuck up. And it's out of love and care, but at, at there's a certain level it it becomes um, intrusive. But all in all, um. Very interesting. Very interesting talk. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't even think we finished up our misconnections here. Um, didn't. Oh, fuck. God damn it. Let's so, go ahead. Would you guys like to continue talking about this, or would you like to tra- transition into another topic? So, so let's let's uh, let's kick out of that topic. Um, I think that that that's definitely very thought provoking, uh, provoking to all of our listeners out there, whether it's relative to their own success or other people's successes. But we're arriving on about an hour now, so let's very briefly go over um, whatever else it is we we wanted to. Um, wanted to touch base on sure let's do that so i think a topic that we've had for quite a long time that we haven't touched on ever is warcraft 3 oh yeah 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 and i i i know that um we can talk about it for a while and um i'm not opposed to going longer as long as you know um robert or do you want to stick around for a while or I'm I'm still fine. I just I I'm not too knowledgeable, so I just hear that it's pretty awesome. Okay, so if like let's just just get right into it. So Warcraft Three was announced by Blizzard that they're going to remaster the game. Basically, Um, it's somewhat analogous to what happened with Starcraft Brood War, where they or actually more Starcraft One, where they remastered the game, gave it a whole um, plethora a slew of new features and you know made it more modern and updated the graphics without impacting the gameplay at all so uh i know i know uh unknown has a a lot that he can say about this so I'll, i'll let you take it away from here so i think warcraft 3 is a phenomenal game and i was very involved with warcraft 3 when it was still a little bit more actively played and eventually warcraft 3 turned into an mmo which a lot of people are more familiar with more than warcraft 3 which is world of warcraft and i was so upset so upset when warcraft 3 turned into an mmo and then warcraft became super popular as an mmo which financially seemed like a very good move by blizzard warcraft made made blizzard the company it is today blizzard would for sure oh yeah definitely world of warcraft is iconic for sure for sure but also um you know another thing to say is like warcraft is an incredibly important game in terms of uh where gaming is today as well as esports because without warcraft 3 or without warcraft just in general we wouldn't have games like dota without dota we wouldn't have well dota 2 but without you know the first dota which was a mod on warcraft we wouldn't have league of legends which is one of the largest games and at one point was the largest game mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so i mm-hmm. think you 
I don't think a lot of people know, you know, some things like that and uh, the history behind esports in general and how um, iconic and imperative Blizzard has been to the success of esports. Oh, no, I agree. I agree so much. And I think that the new school gamer, I always get so tilted. And the reason why I get so tilted is... um, the I think I think whenever you go into a certain field, I think it's important to understand what what has gotten it to that point, right? But but the news a lot of these new school gamers are very ignorant, in 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 my personal opinion. Not not everybody. Some people some people do their due diligence, and you know they play these games that brought gaming up to to. Um, where it is but it's not it's not something that a lot of a lot of new school gamers really care about um or or what has no no one really cares what what made league today or where league came from or where dota came from but me personally a lot of those games hit home um and to see the development of these games and to arrive at where they're at is such a phenomenal thing to see unfold especially when you see the the framework get laid down for dota which then developed into dota 2 and league and it's just so exciting to see because i remember playing warcraft 3 and playing dota when it first came out and seeing the community grow at first it was just a game and then it was a game backed up by clans that revolved around dota exclusively and then these clans would um then then grow exponentially now we have several clans of all of the same clan to be dota one dota two dota three dota four with with um queued queued up uh dota games and seeing this unravel which is phenomenal so warcraft 3 being remastered is is a very exciting thing to me um they're when it shifted into World of Warcraft, it was very disappointing, although such a great move by Blizzard, because even to date, the amount of money uh, that it brings in is 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 unfathomable. And it's able to help Blizzard develop larger projects. But I have to really take off my hat to Blizzard because for them to go back and still cater to these smaller games that that don't accrue revenue for them as much as games like Overwatch or um microtransactions in World of Warcraft for them to go back and 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 cater to the community and remaster uh, Warcraft 3, I, I think that's amazing. So we're going to see up-to-date graphics of all the character models um, and the map. I'm interested in seeing uh, the fluidity of it and seeing if they're going to have the same kind of support uh, behind it and if it's going to revive it. Because I've, I've, I've heard um, a lot of talk through the gaming community with high anticipation to come out for Warcraft 3 Reforged. Now, for people who don't know, 
Um, Warcraft 3 is a real-time strategy, and for other people who don't know, uh, real-time strategy is kind of like a bird's-eye view play where you're making units and you're controlling um, an army and buildings, and the sole purpose of the game is to destroy the other army. Um, if if you're in a one or a one one on one, or you can so I have that. I have a kind of like a question about that. Sure. How like so since Warcraft is being remastered, um, and like you said, this is kind of um, I guess not Blizzard's main money maker that's going to happen, just because it is kind of an old game in a, in a sense, even though the graphics are being remastered. Uh, but my question to you is like, how can Blizzard uh kind of find success? with warcraft 3 uh and particularly like new players such as myself uh you know rts games as it is are very hard to get into because of the amount of skill level that they're at um and i'm just kind of curious just because i don't see blizzard really um i would say advertising as much for any new players but just kind of to bring the old players back Mm, um and my kind of concern is Say uh, Warcraft 3 isn't as successful as it was meant to be, um, and you end up with the same situation kind of as Heroes of the Storm, where they kind of discontinue things slowly. Um, Is that a fear for Warcraft 3, or do you think that it'll kind of continue on? So, if I want to, like, make a parallel between the Warcraft 3 being remastered and um, StarCraft remastered is... For me, it made a lot of sense for Blizzard to remaster StarCraft. I mean, um, Brood War, because it is still huge in Korea. So they have a large market there. But as far as like Western audiences, I think they're more familiar with Warcraft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think part of, if you look at the differences between Brood War and StarCraft remastered in terms of graphics, it's not humongous. But the differences in the graphics between Warcraft 3 and the and you know the remaster version are night and day they don't look anything like each other mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think they're catering to a more a different audience because if they went with the more traditional warcraft uh warcraft 3 aesthetic i think they would have just gotten the old customers but mm-hmm. i think with what they're trying to do with the new um with what they're trying to do with the new graphics is um, try to entice newer players. I'm also not particularly... I'm not sure if they're interested in getting new people to play their game, but I do know as soon as they um, announced um, that they were going to remaster Warcraft 3, streams like Grubby, uh, as well as Todd, who are both old Warcraft 3 pros, started getting thousands of views at mm-hmm, it, like mm-hmm. during their streams. Mm-hmm. So I know that the the hype is there, and I know that the player base mm-hmm. is really looking for this because I know people that are into RTS games are very passionate about them. And when your favorite game gets remastered, you're going to buy it and you're going to play it. So I believe Warcraft 3 is going to be successful for a variety of reasons and i think its success is going to be because of the reintroduction into a 
more user-friendly uh, platform where originally when StarCraft, Diablo, and Warcraft uh, sat on no platform. Uh, so I think that's number one. They're going to they're, they're gonna be able to, to, to get it through with that. Like back in the day when you loaded up StarCraft, you had to have a CD. You had to have a CD. You didn't sign on to Battle.net. You signed on to StarCraft. Same thing goes with Diablo. Same thing goes with Warcraft. Now it's going to be integrated into their platform. So we're going to see that straight from its menu. Um, and I believe that's where they're going to get their marketing in it. And even though it's... Talking, what, I'm, I'm sorry, you're talking about just Battle.net? Like the I'm talking about Battle.net. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, sure. So we're going to be able to see that on front page and with so many other successful games being a part of it, um, now with the merger of Activision, uh, and so we're uh, people who play Destiny, people who play Call of Duty, Overwatch, Hearthstone, StarCraft, Diablo, um, World of Warcraft are all going to see that this 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 game is coming out. So um, there's definitely going to be more eyes on it, and I think that it it it's a, a very it's it's going to get a lot more player base this time around, and it got a lot of player base. It was very popular and very influential when it first came out. Um, there was there was a lot of people uh, that were very involved in the community, but I think there's going to be more so only uh, because of the simple fact that a lot of the people who did dive into World of Warcraft now are. And maybe they don't know about Warcraft, right? Maybe they've never heard of Warcraft 3. Maybe they kind of know, but they're, they've never played it. But they've played World of Warcraft, love World of Warcraft. And to them, I think they'll see it as a new game based off of World of Warcraft. And I think through that ignorance, they'll end up exploring it. I don't so- think that they know like World of Warcraft was influenced by Warcraft and I believe that a lot of these players, because I've had a couple conversations with friends of mine who are very um, avid um, players of World of Warcraft, and I talk about War- or Warcraft 3, they're like, no, no, I never played it. Wait, there was a game before War- uh, World of Warcraft, you know? And now they see this new game coming out, like, yeah, they make it, they're make they making a Warcraft game, you know, after they see StarCraft being so successful. But now to join into StarCraft, it's late. A lot of people who play it now are very 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 um well versed in the game but some people might want to play it but they're like oh you know i'm, I'm not going to be good at it people have played it for a long yeah, time that was that was definitely a issue with starcraft remastered now we're looking at a new rts exactly i also have to say that i've noticed recently that a lot of starcraft 2 streamers um namely Tree, zelda neuro and m canning have been on the front page of twitch Mm-hmm. Oh now, yeah, yeah, yeah! I've noticed front, that too. I don't know. I don't know how the front page of Twitch works exactly because I'm, I don't stream. I'm not very well versed in it. But I would presume that companies, in a way, can get their name out there. And I think that's part of what Blizzard is doing: is introducing people to their some of the more popular RTS streamers to get both Blizzard and StarCraft up there because they know that they're going to release Warcraft three within the within at least you know, a year, if not two years, 
and they want to get people introduced to their games and make sure that people are watching their, you know, people who produce content on their games so that when Warcraft 3 comes out, they're reaching a larger audience than they would have if they didn't. Now, I just, I might be way off base and it could be completely different, but. <laughs> no, I agree because I've been seeing a lot of StarCraft players on front page too, and it arouses curiosity. And like I said, StarCraft being as old as it is, you're not going to want to dive into it as a new player. But if the game just comes out, how often do you hear about games that are very saturated because it, it's been out a long time? Oh, you know, but they've been playing since this season. They've been playing that season. It's well, going to be that hot new attraction. So the first game that I can think of that was very successful with quote unquote remastering their game was RuneScape. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Because they came out with old school. And a lot of people my age that used to play the game, even people I used to play it with, now play old school because they're like, this is how I remember it. It's so nostalgic, XYZ. And they have a very healthy player base on old school RuneScape. I, I saw. You know, I, I think it saved their company. I don't, I don't know, like, you know, their cash flow and, and their mm -hmm. player numbers and stuff. But it retained a lot of the people that left when they changed their game. Because it, it, that's what happened to me. They changed the game and I was like, oh, I'm out of here. I don't want to play this anymore. Right. When Old School came out, I gave it a try because it was closer to the game that I recognized. Right, 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 right. right. It, was, it was a time where I had a great time playing video games and I wanted to relive that. Right. And hopefully a lot of people can find that in Warcraft, in, um, yeah, Warcraft 3, 3 Reforged. Right. I think yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, sorry to cut you off, Rob. What was that? Oh. I, I was going to say, my hope is as a new player is hopefully they introduce like a very useful tutorial, not yeah. just uh, not a like list of, yeah, one. definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, me as a person, like luckily I've had experience with League and like having a very hard time reaching that skull cap. Um, but like me as a new player, seeing that it's very difficult to navigate and I can only imagine too is if like the game is like a pay to, uh, to play kind of game it's really discouraging as a new player to kind of go jump you know right into a situation like that because you know what if you don't like the game or what if it's so difficult that you can't really you know have fun playing it um and that's kind of my only my only concern for the success of warcraft 3 because unlike you know you can have free to play games be super successful i think fortnite is the biggest example of how that goes as well as league of legends things right. like dota um and i'm just curious as to how blizzard's gonna kind of reach that gap with the newer players especially because um I think before Twitch, everyone was a console player, right? But now that Twitch has become such a large platform with multiple, wow, you know, millions of viewers online every day, um, the PC gamer has kind of come up out of nowhere. And now everyone kind of wants to play on PC. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, totally. I part of what I think Blizzard is going to do once they released Warcraft, uh, Warcraft Three Reforged is they're going to make uh, the Frozen Throne free to play. I think so too, and it would be a good it would be a good yeah, move on I their behalf. I, I I hope they do. Um, there it, it seems like they're pushing Warcraft three. Um, I think twenty nine ninety nine, and it's it's beautifully 
beautifully uh, con- reconstructed uh, with at a 4K resolution. So I'm I'm super excited. Uh, and now that they're putting the RTSs on main uh, main page more more often, I think they'll definitely be an allure because, like all new games, there is an allure because you want to be the first streamer to put that out there i think that'll help with the gap you'll 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 have the opportunity to watch other streamers play it for the first time some of them and others that are still into the vanilla warcraft scene uh, are going to be able to advertise it as well and i think that twitch will be that bridge for yeah i think against the freedom yeah, I think Twitch will be their main platform for getting content out, definitely. I think with video games, as of right now, Twitch is most definitely the the foremost platform that people use. It used to be YouTube, especially in, you know, like you were saying, everyone had a console, the PC gamer came out of nowhere. Um, and it's interesting because I, I originally started playing games on the PC, and then I got a PlayStation 2 for Christmas one year, then a 360, and then a xbox one and the only reason that i decided to continue getting consoles was because i could play with my friends right right and now more people have pcs they pcs are far more powerful than they used to be so it's easier to play more games on your standard pc or laptop right so i think that also plays into why the pc gamer is far there's far more of them now but I don't think it hurts that their favorite person to watch on Twitch also plays on PC. Right, 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 right. I'm I'm interested in seeing the development of Warcraft 3. We haven't gotten a release date of it. It was announced at BlizzCon to be released sometime in 2019. And as, as they're releasing it, there has been trailers and there has been show of uh, the remakes of certain models. And with with a more well-polished up-to-date look of warcraft 3 i'm excited to see how it's going to go around and i'm also excited to see um how it contests uh in 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 esports if if it reaches that uh is is warcraft 3 an esport game i don't think it is Yes, it, it is, is most definitely yes. Because if you think, do you know Rotterdam? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He he plays Warcraft yep. three, right? As well as Todd, right? Uh, Todd's I'm... a French caster for Starcraft. Uh, oh well, yeah, on all the WCS and he's the skinnier yeah, no, guy, they, right? They, yeah, they were both Warcraft three pros. Todd still streams Warcraft three. Roddy does um, time to time, but not as much as he does Starcraft two, right. especially now these with Clash. Um, but they were both warcraft 3 pros that's where they got their start in mm-hmm. blizzard esports as far as i know it's going to be super um, exciting i'm i'm really and looking I know, forward to it yeah i know that um roddy has been streaming warcraft 3 more since they've released it um and i know it's a game that he loves and that he gets he gets like 1100 viewers on average it seems um, on his normal streams mm-hmm. so someone of you know at least in starcraft terms that's a lot of viewers so someone of that caliber in the starcraft 2 community right vouching for you know vouching for blizzard on you know warcraft 3 reforged is going to be a huge help for them i think i agree i agree i i i'm i'm super stoked and that is definitely going to be something that i'm going to be 
uh, diving into as a streamer myself and being so uh, well versed with Warcraft 3, I have at least over 5,000 um, 5, uh, ranked games in Warcraft 3. So, Jeez, I'm, that's insane. Holy I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that game. Warcraft 3 was a big one, uh, big game of mine that, that, um, I was really involved with. Uh, I actually went to StarCraft 2 because Warcraft 3 started becoming less popular. It was taking longer to queue up for matches. Hacking was um, becoming a thing. And it the support system in, in Warcraft 3 started really dwindling. But then later on, we saw private servers that started coming up and hacking really got minimalized and it became a lot more leagued based with tournaments going on and i think that it makes it difficult for somebody to go into that now because first now you got to know that that you you got to know which server to go into yeah you know you can't just pop into game any and you would need the cd i mean i i'm pretty sure you can download it but you need a cd key you would have to buy it on blizzard's marketplace but you'd really have to go out of your way and if someone says warcraft you're not thinking warcraft 3 you're thinking oh yeah i played world of <laughs> warcraft you know so yeah. it's it's really been swept under the rug so to see the refer, uh, resurface of it is super exciting um speaking of uh, games that are coming out uh we just got well i didn't personally get it but um kingdom hearts 3 just came out i know i'm actually so excited for kingdom hearts 3 uh, i actually don't have it myself either but uh i work right next to a best buy so um what is it this wednesday i'm picking it up and i'm not doing anything but finishing that game uh, I think it's taken about 12 years for them to develop this game. Like the next big console Kingdom Hearts game, which I think is super fantastic. I think part of the reason why is because they've added so many of the new uh, like Disney movies and just a lot of new movies in general. You have like the big hero movies, Frozen. Um, I'm actually even surprised that they had some throwbacks as well, like Pirates of the Caribbean. So I just thought that was super cool for Square Enix and, you know, Disney to kind of collaborate and just go out. I think they went out with a pretty big bang. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people have been enjoying it. Um, I haven't really seen anyone say that they've reached the end yet. So I assume there's a lot of hours of gameplay involved, uh, kind of like a Final Fantasy game, I hope. I personally have been a huge fan of kingdom hearts and what really what really made it i i i still am a huge fan because the nostalgic experiences that you can get in my opinion nowhere else besides that game because it combines square enix's final fantasy with Disney, Disney worlds and characters is unmatched. But what made it difficult to hang on to was just like you said, it's taken 12 years for it to come out. And, and to my understanding, um, I believe that they just had a lot of changes um, within Square Enix that prolonged the development. And on top of that, 
they've been focusing on other Kingdom Hearts installments, all of which I think missed the mark. Yeah, honestly, I think for the most part, all the other games are pretty much flops. Um, and I think that's just because due to the poor amount of... I think they just didn't have enough time to really put their heart and soul into the games, like the first two installments. Um, so that's why they were just pretty lackluster. That being said, however, the the new Kingdom Hearts that's coming out is supposedly supposed to help tie all of them together, just because their storylines were also very separate. Um, and I'm also kind of curious to see if there's any other playable characters in the game, just because the other uh, versions of the games, uh, like the 358 oh, no, two games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like oh, wait, wait, there, there's just so many new characters i know people get tired of sora maybe they don't like his personality um i know sometimes he can get kind of boring with me i'd prefer someone much darker like riku oh yeah um, yeah yeah but I'm, I'm i'm super i'm super hopeful that they at least add one or two more extra playable characters um just because this is you know this is it this is their supposedly their big bang um, but that also kind of brings up an issue as to, uh, for example, uh, these games are released kind of to give us a nostalgic feeling, um, you know, and I'm not only talking about just Kingdom Hearts, I'm talking about, uh, like you, we were talking about earlier, Warcraft 3, and we're talking about, for example, a new Final Fantasy games coming out, Final Fantasy 7, quote unquote new, but it's actually remasterings of games. Um, this is kind of getting to a... I don't want to say an epidemic, but it's becoming super prominent within these gaming uh, businesses where they just kind of remake the same game over and over to give us that feeling. Uh, do you think that's actually beneficial or do you think they're just beating like, uh, you know, beating a dead horse? Do you think the game was good when it was released? Is it done? Will it ever reach the same mark as it did from before? So I feel as if um, when they do something like this with a title that was extremely successful that me personally i get i i get scared and what i mean by that is with the talk about final fantasy 7 being remaked on the the announcement at e3 it's 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 scary and the reason why i say it's scary is because i feel as if that they could potentially butcher it. And back in the oh, day, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. back in the day, a lot of these games, because graphics were limited, there needed to be a solid focus on gameplay. There had to be a solid story. There was so much story that went into games like Final Fantasy 7 and and it was four discs long and there's so much content so many experiences you learn so much of the backstory there's so many missions and open world for a person to explore while playing the game and now as we've transitioned into an age where it's been more focused on gameplay, less of the content in the gameplay. A lot of games now don't even focus on single player. 
uh, and they've been just focusing on multiplayer since multiplayer has been such a pool of opportunity for financial gain. And I feel as if the the remaster of some of these games could could go one way or the other but kingdom hearts 3 is one of those games it was so good one and two that even though square enix came out with like dream drop distance chain of memories 2.6 um and and its other installments and even though they missed the, the mark uh for for kingdom hearts 3 to come out i believe the strength of its its richness in content allowed it to still hold weight today. And I, I think that's why a lot of people are going into Kingdom Hearts 3 because the first two were so good. It's finally the third installment, the real third installment. We're not on Nintendo DS. We're back to console. It, there's new worlds. How are they going to put things in like Frozen, uh, 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 Moana, or other Disney movies and up to par with its it with its graphics to date and final that was one of uh, the first final fantasy games next to final fantasy 10 where they broke out of the um the the turn to base turn based combat and now we have like a more fluid combat style but still incorporating a sense of turn based combat because there's cooldowns after you execute like certain spells, uh, but but it's so fun and it's so nostalgic of an experience. So I'm, I I myself I'm not a console player. Um, now I'm not. I used to be, but I I I I'm guilty to say that I'm gonna have to get my hands on a console and I'm gonna have to play that because I don't think Kingdom Hearts Three is coming out for PC. And even if it is, uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure whether or not I'm going to have the space on my computer for 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 that kind of game. Yeah, definitely. I know they don't really make consoles that compatible with PC games anyway. I think that's like a big flop. I know some games just crash automatically when you try them on certain computers, which kind of sucks. Right. Um, but I don't know. Uh, part of me is hoping that this game is just really good. Um, and hopefully, uh, I think a lot has to do with the fan base as well. Uh, the fan base for Kingdom Hearts, as so, well as like other games in general, has kind of been holding up this hype for us. Yeah, you know, yeah. just like we were saying about Warcraft Three, being like, "Oh my God, this game is finally coming out!" Um, you know, a lot of the times it's the fan base that actually keeps the game alive. Um, and I think that these uh, companies actually have to keep us into consideration, and you know, just make sure that they're delivering on what we expect from them. Uh, even though sometimes that's not always the case, but mm -hmm. I mean, now they have resources like Twitch and, you know, they can even just do quick surveys on us to let us know, Hey, what do you think about a turn-based system for the new final fantasy or, right. you know, um, and I think a lot of that is imperative to their success and they have to always just keep a good repertoire because, um, if you create a another game and it's a flop and it just doesn't meet expectations you'll just lose the rest of your following and you know end up with discontinued games kind of like heroes of the storm right Definitely. right 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 well heroes of the storm is a, a bit of a different situation because blizzard was pumping a lot of money into it and it wasn't doing as well as other mobas and they eventually realized that they weren't you know they were losing a shit that their game sucks 
Well, yeah, I tried playing it, and it was I was, it was terrible. What is this? It's fucking yeah, terrible. I didn't think it was yeah, a good game. I tried it. I wanted to cry. Yeah, it was so exactly. bad. I didn't think it was a good game. But do I think they did a disservice to the pros and such by you know leading them on? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. But that's a different topic for a different day. But so I, I have to ask you guys. You guys have been talking about. You know, we're excited for a game that is more about the gameplay than it is about a multiplayer component. Am I am I correct in that statement? Definitely. So, have have either of you played either Dark Souls or The Witcher? I played The Witcher. Third one. You I played, played Dark one? Souls. Died in the tutorial. <laughs> uh mike which witcher have you played so i've played the witcher 3 and i saw gameplay on both the witcher 1 and 2 so that i could catch up for the witcher 3 sure okay so i've played all the way through like witcher 1 through 3 and i thought the witcher 3 was such a great game amazing game such amazing a great game, game. Mm-hmm. I hands down it. well it got a lot of awards it did mm-hmm. rightfully so but it's unfortunate that there aren't more games like that. Look mm-hmm. at Battlefield Five, for instance, or the newest Call of Duty. The, mm-hmm. the campaigns are like they're pretty easy. There's nothing really to them. They don't take any risks. They don't do anything that new. It's just the same scripted. Here you go. Where The Witcher, it's it's. I think it's part of the reason why something like Grand Theft Auto is so successful because you can do whatever the fuck you want, but you can also do the story. Right. 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 And I think I now I only played the first Kingdom Hearts and this was like 10 years ago. So I don't really remember much of it, but it was a game that was rich in story and there was a lot of context behind it. And I think that's uh, imperative to the success of the incoming installment. Am I, am I off base or? Yes. I I feel like, I feel like that's exactly what it's solely based off when I don't believe we're going to see any online play with uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 and and at least not to my understanding, but very dependent on um, the success of its story. Yeah, exactly. And I I think that I think a lot of companies have, they've had a lot of trouble with trying to preserve their, the continuation of the stories that either, you know, if the studio that made the original game got bought or something like that, or there's been personnel changes, like the best example I can use is Bethesda, um, especially with everything that's been going on with Fallout 4. Right. I'm not sure if you guys played the first few Fallout games. Did you or no? I've played them, but it turned me off very quickly. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I played New Vegas. You played New Vegas? Yeah. That was so okay. I played... It's so that's interesting because I played New Vegas and I really enjoyed New Vegas, but I did not like Fallout 4 very much and it turned me off so much that I did not buy Fallout 76. Because I thought that that was a deviation from what the company was originally founded on the games that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so it it seems to me from, you know, my experiences with other companies what's happening with uh what's the company's name? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with it. New Enix? Is that what it's Square, called? Square, Square Enix. Square Enix. It used to be Sorry. Square. Now it's Square Enix. But yeah. Okay, Square Enix. Um, they took a bit of a deviation from what their original, um, uh, what would you call it, template for their games were. Is that correct? 
it you said like 2.6 and something yep. else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they yeah. they kind of changed the controls a bit and tried to add new things, but it, it just wasn't successful because it didn't it didn't hit the mark really on the story um as they were just trying to change up the gameplay, which that was just not successful whatsoever. Right, okay. right, right. Okay, sure. That Okay. So, I mean, I'm trying to get a grasp for why you guys didn't like their previous games and why you might enjoy this game more. So, what what exactly gives you hope that Final um what is this? Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts, I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about Final Fantasy for a second. Um Kingdom Hearts uh 3 will be successful. Well, what we saw from Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom 1 2 was a uh <laughs> It was a story that continued, and in in its installments in between, they were not on console. They were on DS. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense now because exactly, I was you know as an outsider looking in on what's happened with the Kingdom Hearts series, it doesn't seem like the new Kingdom Hearts game is much more than fluff. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. granted, that's only because. I haven't played a Kingdom Hearts game in ten years, and I don't really follow the series very often. And though or the very closely, though the though the games were uh, somewhat related to to the original games, they were not they were not directly related. It was not a uh, it was not a um, a full continue of this story it was more like a tangent less of the next installment so kingdom hearts 3 is is the next installment right after kingdom hearts 2 so the games in between fluff just just like you said Okay, yeah. it's just more of a cash grab. Fill yeah, the, yeah, the the, the okay. fluff games really okay. sucked. And the good thing I think about Kingdom Hearts one and two was actually at the end of Kingdom Hearts one, and you started Kingdom Hearts two. It started immediately after the yep. last cutscene. Yep. And I think that gives like some sort of continuity sure. for people who have played the games before to kind of grasp onto and be like, okay, I know exactly what just happened. This is what's going on. Yep. With yeah. With these side fluff games, it's just it's really confusing to keep track of it. Mm -hmm. Sure. One thing that I think is very powerful for video games in the same way that a a show like uh, Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad is incredibly successful because they always start the new season exactly where you left off the last one. It's Mm -hmm. a bit of a continuation and you've waited a long time to see what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that when games do that specifically when it comes to story, it's very powerful. You know, and I really hope that Kingdom Hearts 3 does the same as it leaves off where Kingdom Hearts ended. Kingdom Hearts 2, I'm sorry, wherever it ended. Um, I don't know what what they have in mind. I haven't, you know, read anything or seen anything, any gameplay or anything. Do you guys know when it's going to come out? Kingdom Hearts 3 is already out. I believe it came out today or yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it literally just came out. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to avoid any kind of spoilers or anything that'll kind of ruin the game for me. Because I just want to be able to play the game, have a good story, and probably cry at the end of it. Because it's supposedly the end of the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll see. It's one of those games that definitely are very original in its kind. And to combine Final Fantasy and Disney, especially older Disney movies uh, that we haven't seen in a very long time. I remember playing Kingdom Hearts 1, or I, I don't remember if it was Kingdom Hearts 1 or Kingdom Hearts 2, and being 
uh, being able to play in Mickey Mouse's world and they change the art style every single time you go into another world and it's so nostalgic because you can see these things uh, uh, um, that are very relative to the original art design uh, like there was the black and white um, uh, Mickey Mouse world on there we're talking way old school Mickey Mouse that we were able to experience and and it's 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 funny to see how it plays out because they do show elements of the actual uh, world as if like uh, as if we know it like what what they were doing for example with with uh, like Pirates of the the uh caribbean or 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 um lion king uh you're able to explore the the lion king world and you're like oh shit that's pride rock or oh shit this is simba you know and you're able to actually interact and play with these characters and see still see elements that are being retained of the original movie so if you're a 90s baby um or if you were just able to be uh, if you were just able to be exposed to these movies, then it's very nostalgic. It's it's extremely nostalgic and in the best way because they do it justice. And especially with Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy is very known for their rich stories. Uh, it's It's been 12 years, so I'm extremely interested in seeing how how it's developed. Um, there's There's a lot of good reviews out there. And I'm excited to check it out. That's definitely something I'm going to look into. Uh, I got to get my hands on a console, and where maybe, maybe, uh, maybe one of these times we'll have an opportunity to um, to to even do uh, a review of the game. That that'd be awesome, just to be able to kind of go back and forth and what we thought about the game. Um, uh, last but not least, uh, uh, there is a another game that had just came out, uh, Resident Evil Two. Just got remastered. It looks very much like the engine off of Biohazard. Uh, the graphic, the graphics look extremely crisp. The gameplay is very fluid, and it is as horrifying as it 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 was back when I first played it. So that that is a very exciting. Um, a uh, very exciting thing to check out. I personally haven't played it yet. That's something that I'd like to get into, but I hear a lot of hype about it, and I've seen a lot of gameplay on it on Twitch. So there's definitely been some good feedback there. Well, this is a- Sorry, what's that? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I'm super excited. I think 2019 is the year of games. Uh, like... There's just so many good titles that are supposed to come out this year, and yeah. I'm just super hyped to to see everything and kind of see where. I'm kind of curious as to like this next E3 that's going to come up if new consoles are going to be released, if you know, uh, video game creators are going to start pushing towards PC since that is kind of becoming the no, new uh, thing hole. that people are heading the, towards. The to the next mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting development as well. We spoke on the first podcast where gaming used to be a very unpopular thing or not as mainstream, but now with gaming being the top leading industry in entertainment, in revenue, just seeing how popular it's become with uh, the development of things like Twitch uh, and and seeing that PC take fourth front while console was the leading game, uh, the leading game, um, the leading gamer's choice to go to PC is becoming more, um, 
popular because a lot of people want to get into being able to mod things or uh, uh, play third party mods or even being able to stream it or participate in streams with it and getting a powerful computer. So we're definitely we're definitely in in a very big tech year here. And seeing it unravel is extremely exciting. But I'd love to hear more about Resident Evil 2, and I'd love to yeah, hear more about Kingdom Hearts 3 um, in the future. Uh, if you guys have the opportunity to play it, or even myself included, uh, we can actually go into depth. So that's something to look forward to in our future podcast. Another thing we're, we're going to actually implement is uh, we're going to have a beer tasting segments because a, a lot, not a beer tasting segment, but 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 we're Faisy and I are going to be introducing a, a different kind of alcohol, um, not not to promote any alcoholism, but 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 we're going to <laughs> we're going to have no, a not, different not promoting here, alcoholism, me, promoting a good right, time. Right. Promoting a good time. Since you (laughs) fucking, I don't want to promote drinking. All right. In the next, in the next few podcasts, hopefully we will, if not beer, we'll get some sort of alcohol on the podcast, and Mike and I will either have the same thing or something different, and we'll give our opinions on it, and we'll taste it throughout the podcast. Uh, We can do a segment about alcohol if anyone wants. If anyone wants to send us alcohol. Uh, you can hit up Mike on his Discord and let him know to send it. Um, <laughs> no, so this um, this should wrap up the nightly commute. This has been our fourth episode. Thank you very much for watching us. You can find us on Anchor. Um, that is our the main platform that we um, ship out to, as well as I know Mike will have the list of uh, all of the platforms that uh, we put our stuff out. Onto. So if Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us, please do. Right. So Anchor is our main platform for our podcast. Uh, however, we are available on other pod, uh, podcast uh, hosts as well. Um, and I will pull up that list for you right now. Actually, da, 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 I know one of them is Spotify. Oh man, here we go. It's we're available on seven seven platforms. We are available on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. So So is that all at the nightly or slash the nightly commute? Yep. Yep, yep. If you guys look up the nightly commute, we are there. Awesome. We do expect to uh, reach out to other platforms in the future. Uh, we do expect to have a bit of a social media presence uh, as well in the future. So, guys, stay tuned for a lot of it. We enjoy um, all of you being able to listen to what we have to say and we are uh extremely excited with this journey thus far and hope to deliver uh some great content in the future and to add on to that um we also have a discord connected to uh, mainly connected to mike's twitch and uh if you need if you would like to get onto that, you can look at twitch.tv slash mlom91, as well as you can email myself at phazyphazey.nightlycommute at gmail.com if you would like an invite to the Discord. We thank each and every one of you for listening, as well as your continued support. Thank you very much. And thank you, Robert, for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Of course. Absolutely. We may uh, 
I I I, I do want to say that um, I personally invite anybody who's been on our podcast to show up in the future if they'd like we are we are always open to guests so robert maybe we'll have you in our future podcast and we can even talk about um our experiences with kingdom hearts 3 and and other games too but it was a pleasure to have you guys have a wonderful night and this is the nightly commute signing off